0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Potida Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica. And today I have the honor of interviewing Terry O'Connor, who's the artistic director of Terry O'Connor Dance. His works bring formal and conceptual concerns into direct dialogue. Engaging the tension between the geometries of the rectangular stage, the organic forms of nature, and the vast terrain of human behavior, he reconsiders abstraction. O'Connor has created over 40 works for his company and toured these throughout the U.S., Europe, South America, and Canada. He's created numerous commissions, including works for Mikhail Baryshnikov, Gene Butler, and the Leon Opera Ballet, to name a few. And he's received three Bessie Awards and is a Center for Advanced Studies professor in dance at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. You can learn more about Terry O'Connor Dance at TerryOConnorDance.org, spelled T-E-R-E-O-C-O-N-N-O-R-Dance.org. NYU Skirball will present the New York City premiere of Terry O'Connor's Long Run, playing for two performances on Friday, October 12th, and Saturday, October 13th at 7.30. Long Run, which premiered in 2017, pushes the emotional content of O'Connor's movement to new physical extremes, allowing time-based elements like polyrhythms, velocity, and duration to become external forces in the work, overtaking the eight performers as they repeatedly struggle to bring their bodies into a state of calm. O'Connor's score enhances the referential potential of the work and drives its rhythmic trajectory. So thank you for being with us, Terry. Yes,
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: So let's start from the beginning, talking about long run, since that's what... I'm excited to see in a couple of Mm -hmm. weeks. What is the inspiration or philosophical underpinnings of this piece?
1: I think they're various. Most of my titles, I want to have a certain porousness to them so that they could be looked at in multiple significances somehow. But one of them for long run is I'm looking at the episodic in dance. It has been my experience that many outside eyes want to bring narrative to dance, and I'm not necessarily working with that or even any sense of aboutness. Mm-hmm. Yet the form does seem to cough up like elements, and one of them is the episodic, like one thing happening, then another thing happening, and another thing happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to look at that and the way that information accumulates in non-narrative ways in dance and still has some kind of string attached to the narrative. And for me, it's not really about creating a statement about that or setting up a conflict against those two things. I'm interested in narrative. It's just that I've located through working on the material of dance that there is nothing about it that wants to create narrative. It has no denotative capacity So when I was young and watching dance at the beginning and watching people talk about swans and things, I was like, wouldn't a book do you well for this subject matter? Better than, and also I felt that the image often kind of buried the intensity of the abstraction, which was much more forceful for me. And so I set about at a young age looking for those parts of dance. And I still am working with the materiality of the form Mm
0: -hmm.
1: again, just to see what it can do. And to set myself outside of that narrative arena somehow.
0: Okay. So I like what you're talking about episodic and the strings between the episodic and using images and the materiality of dance. Mm-hmm. And in past interviews, you have spoken about applying rules or structures in your mm-hmm. process when creating dances and then observing what comes up or what happens. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of how you might have used that process in long run?
1: Yes, I think in all of my work, I have a fascination with structure, and I'm very committed to the idea that the subterranean information of dance is much more powerful and exerts a pressure on the imagistic aspect of dance. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to understand really how to work with that and to make it function really forcefully so that. Most of what you get from a dance is a sensation and it takes you away from the kind of process of nomenclature, of calling things things and naming them. Mm-hmm. And therefore allows dance to be a really transformational form if one can go there with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In this dance, I was looking at, in particular, kind of one of the ways that language finds itself resituated in dance is the use of grammar and Mm -hmm. how there is a grammar to any phrase that someone is making. So I started out making one phrase for Silas Reiner, one of the dancers, who's Mm -hmm. worked with me for quite a while, five years now, amazing, amazing dancer. And I made a, a phrase for him, a really, really pretty convoluted, inorganic phrase, which mine often are. And then we used that phrase as the basis for everything. But what we did is took all the movement away And just use the underlying rhythmic and temporal elements of it. And people could put brand new, unrelated movement on it. So it's more like looking at can these kind of subterranean elements that I see as very forceful really kind of make a mark on a work? Mm -hmm. And what happens to them if you were from that's how we started. It didn't stay, it wasn't legalistically just doing that, but a lot of it was produced that way. Mm -hmm. And then I come in and kind of edit it and do surgery on it and stuff. But
0: that makes sense. Yeah. And you say some of your inorganic moves. And it's interesting because when I watch your dances, Mm -hmm. I find the movement to be very flowy and easy and Mm -hmm. something that feels very organic to Mm me. How, I guess, do you start with what you call an inorganic?
1: Yeah. I think, I guess the the result isn't necessarily inorganic because I work, I've been blessed with such amazing creatures of the world who can interpret it and parse it all out. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think I look at dance as a polyglot language, like English is. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, where you might have a diphthong in a word that comes from Old English. And then the next thing to it comes from something, you know, Latin. And no one is looking to say, to follow that when they're hearing English. It just goes along. And the same thing with dance. I use references from all over the place, but I could go from ballet to something pedestrian, to something Judson, to something there. And mm-hmm. I'm not doing it to make any commentary. It's just that I live now after all this history has been there. So right. I'm not engaged in a kind of critique of it. I'm not engaged in a postmodernism
2: mm-hmm.
1: relative to that. But that construction is convoluted. Yeah. And the convolution for me is really important because I, a, main, a major statement, I think, about dance that's so important is it cannot proclaim anything. -hmm. It can come up with no certitude, and I want to live and work in the part of it that can activate that. So, area these areas of construction that have everything coming at you and all of the density, and I'm not trying to thin it out. I'm trying to keep the density of it. Then the dancers have to come to terms with that in their bodies, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and sometimes that's difficult and task related, and sometimes it's transcendent, you Mm -hmm. know. And all of the everything between that is a kind of drama that's being created. So
0: that's great. Actually, this convoluted construction, as much as it sounds limiting, it actually sounds very freeing to me. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah,
0: in the sense that you're not limiting yourself whatsoever; you're allowing any influences and
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I really am. Again, this this came to me over time of you know making dances. I, I was I was very I was 21 when I started dancing because I started dancing in college. I knew. Absolutely nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And I went to purchase and we had Jacques Dembois was our, our dean then. And so we oh, had wow. the capacity to go see the New York City Ballet all the time, which I did. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I was just having all this ballet put onto my body. I didn't have no idea what it was. I historically knew what it was. And I knew that, you know, if, you know, especially now since there's been all this study of post-colonialism, what, what it's been wrought and the injustices that live behind it. But at the same time, I was looking at like, well, if you grab your glute, your leg will go up to the back. And yeah. it could be called an arabesque or it could be called anatomy or anything in between. So I started to look at things in that way. In no way to disallow for the kind of po- politics of forms, because those are really included in my work. I problematize those in my work. But I don't want to foreground them.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So problematizing the politics of form. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of sure. how maybe you've done that with long run?
1: Uh, with long run, I mean it's 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 more kind of embedded in the the way that I work now than than directly applied. But mm-hmm. you move in and out of modalities that may or may not fit your body and your experience. Mm-hmm. So sometimes some of those there's some dancers in this group and all the groups I've used that are very well versed at ballet and some who aren't, but they all do it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's a matter of saying, like, everyone has seen that beautiful dress that was advertised at Banana Republic. Some people try it on and they look ghastly and some people don't, but it's how they deal with it. So it's the same thing with ballet, for example, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, a straightened leg and everything comes up in all of these little modes or things that are very far from you that you don't even know how to make a kind of qualitative critique of them but you still are engaging with your body. They have to embody that reaction somehow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In this dance, I think there's some places where, you know, the individual dancers really kind of get pressed into vision. For example, we one of the things we, we worked with a big phrase where I was making some big convoluted constellation of things that were all interrelated, and then I just took that apart and started using little pieces of it, and... Lee Searle and Emma Judkins, one of the things I worked with them on was like bringing it down, bringing it down to like a marked stage. So it was like a like a whispering of the same movement that had been quite bombastic before. Mm-hmm. And they kept reducing it down, reducing that down. And then it became this really little kind of like a whispered thing that started to really show up the individual aspects of their bodies. And suddenly their personalities really came out. I don't think I could have gotten there directly. We had to go through this really circuitous route to get there that was based on working with the material of dance and letting it lead you somewhere, and that's where it got you. And that happens a lot, where Mm -hmm. you go through some big thing you think you're working on, but the result of it isn't what you started to do it's something else over and over again. Yeah. But it keeps all the layers of the experience of getting there.
0: I really love that. (laughs) I love that you work with movement phrases in various ways to problematize it. Mm-hmm. But I also really love that you're working with different techniques with dancers who are from different technical backgrounds. Yeah, very
1: much so. I, I, I'm i interested in the, you know, there's so many amazing dancers. We had an audition for this piece, and, you know, like 300 people tried out for we We had to reduce it down to 100, and these amazing wow. people came, really amazing people. And somehow you just have to come down to who it is, who has a certain kind of dimensionality to them, in the mm-hmm. way that they receive the information, that probably is going to be the best person. And then I ended up, I, ended up, I mean, we I, I love these people. We have a great time. And they really work very assiduously at all the difficult kind of multi-layered aspects of what we're doing.
0: hmm And I have to say, you are so adept at pulling out Everyone's unique personality. Everyone on stage in your pieces, mm-hmm. I really see an easiness to their personality. Like mm-hmm. they're all very comfortable on the stage, yeah. Yeah. and yet they're all very unique. And I definitely mm-hmm. get that people ness. <laughs> yeah, from it's, them. it's
1: important to me. I mean, one of the first things I did in my first dances. I started to do, you know, what could be called research, what we call research. But I look I was looking at dances and thinking, like, why are people so addicted to unison, myself included? You know, Mm -hmm. and I started to really try to research and say, like, what is this? And let me like really go at this and see. And one of the things that came out of it is that it does replicate language in so much as we can all have a common language but we individuate through grammar and inflection and these other things that kind of take the language into our own realm, each person's own realm. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing that I started to do with unison was let the unison kind of get a little bit shaggy, although it's all it's very hard to keep together some because they're very difficult, the phrases. Mm-hmm. But saying, like, what happens if you let yourself do this like yourself and hold on to the unison? And that's what I've been working on for years And then also the people that are there, I want them to show up. They're very interesting people who can show anything from pathos to kind of confidence to beauty. To They have a lot of range. Mm -hmm. And they all arrive there at different times. So it gets really variegated, the kind of emotional realm that's happening. Mm -hmm. And they're all people that are not dancing for me. They're dancing in work that they feel they can actualize. You
0: know? mm-hmm. So when so, you are faced with 300 dancers <laughs> in yeah, a large audition, large. yeah, I guess, how do you find that?
1: Well, not all of them came to the audition. We, we had videos and we we had to do a, a kind of selection before. I mean, just because it's too much to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then, you know, we kind of just try to replicate what ha- would happen in a rehearsal, especially some of the more kind of you know, anomalous things that happen when I say like, well, let's curve down this
2: mm-hmm.
1: street, you know, of right. like, I'd like you to make a sister of that phrase or right. something like that, where you kind of use poetics and some people's eyes drop out of their head and other people are like, got it. And they go. And so you feel you can speak a language that would be um, useful with those people somehow. So. Yeah. And
0: you spoke a little bit about the emotional range. Mm-hmm. How do you use emotion in your work? And I guess how do you get the dancers to work in that realm as well?
1: Well, I think some of it would be kind of the same way that a director and an actor would work. Mm -hmm. But another way that I'm working, I think the real writing and the real voice of dance and definitely my dances is rhythm. And I think a lot of times the structure of what happens rhythmically in my dances carries an emotionality um, Mm -hmm. that you go from something... That is maybe polyrhythmic in many ways, and then it kind of stays in conflict for a while Mm -hmm. and then finds a a resolve or doesn't. Mm -hmm. It just exits that. Yeah. This is the kind of replication somehow of the way that thought and rumination occur. They're not well behaved. If you just think about the last half hour of what you thought, it's not going to be able to be written down like a play.
0: Yeah.
1: It's very, very kind of capricious. Absolutely, and I try to bring those things to the fore to kind of say this is what we're really like We don't the structures that we make are not neat and even the dramatic structures that we make are just a way for us to re-experience pain probably in a cathartic way Mm
2: -hmm. however
1: there's this other value in seeing what's the real nature of our minds and how do we make that manifest in the world How does it resonate against, like, the more pragmatic part of our day, which is very kind of imprisoning? Totally. Um, And I don't love the word chaos, but it could be looked at that relative to that other thing. But really, it's a naturalness Mm -hmm. that just is, you know, I have this idea that I call invalid structures that wouldn't, like, I I talk a lot about, you know, you couldn't build a cottage with a 20-foot I-beam coming out of it and a skyscraper on the end of that I beam, but you could build ideas like that
2: right. and
1: dance structures like that, that kind of have a kind of idealism in them yeah. that's poetic and e- whether or not it can be realized, it suggests another way of managing logic in the world.
0: Oh my gosh, everything <laughs> you said just now is so beautiful, but also I do very much see that in your dances.
1: Uh-huh. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something I'm trying to get at, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I really love what you're saying about the real nature of our minds versus mm-hmm. a pragmatism. And of course, mm-hmm. what we think of in our minds is not in the real world. It's yeah, maybe not possible, but we go in and out of yeah. these very pragmatic thoughts versus... And belief
1: systems, too. You know, I mean, I think the place we are politically right now with the kind of black and white of it is that People are trained that the the only way to have an idea is to have it as a way of winning instead of an idea that resides next to other ideas.
0: Totally. And
1: that the way that they percolate with each other would probably be where we could learn the most from. Absolutely. Not using them as weapons. Yeah. And so that's like a really pragmatic thing, though, that you get from having a job or something. You know, I, I always laugh about thinking about if I ever got a job in an office Cause I'd be like, "Look, I made something out of the paper clips," and they'd be like, "Well, we wanted that. Re- we wanted that report." And I'm like, "Oh, I have to do reports."
2: That's <laughs> <Sorry."> funny.
1: <laughs> but I mean, some people can really fall in line. Yeah. With that, and I don't think it's healthy. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. It
1: could hurt them, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, I really <laughs> I love everything you're, you're saying. <laughs> it's funny. I had a thought, but then it went somewhere else as we talk about the real nature that, of our minds.
1: <laughs> it went into a cave. <laughs>
0: but yeah, actually, also what you're describing in terms of letting thoughts and different ways of being just be in our minds mm-hmm. is also what I define as truly listening.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. It's It's working like this has brought me to a whole other kind of way of looking at being an artist. Like I don't think about mastery or any of these kind of like, I'm arriving at my voice, there's this constant undoing of things and this constant, like, amplification of what's possible that I didn't know about. Yeah. So every <clears> time <throat> I come to a new step, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a I'm a student renewed.
0: Totally. You know? And
1: I don't just, it's not just being humble, it's, it's exciting to look at it this way.
0: It is, yeah. Because
1: every every kind of place you get to, you have to be like, all right, you have to reassess. If, you, if you're not building a belief system and you're just kind of, riding the ways of kind of just ongoingness, even yeah. if that's just the basic thing, then there is nothing that you can draw from that's a canon that you've created for yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's the canon of history, but your own... I'm not interested in it. That, that's one of the things is I'm not making a product.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that is really important to me. I am not All making right. anything. I will leave no objects. And I don't want to then borrow any of the language or the ideas of product creation Mm -hmm. which would be things like arrival points or certainties or understanding like getting to something that you know that's that Mm -hmm. so um even though I may do that in other parts of my life it's kind of necessary to do that in my work I'm sending out a different kind of thought
0: that's really uh, great and I imagine you have to be very intentional when working in that way since the rest of our lives do require quite the opposite of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting what I I talk about it like being a nurse, which is a a group of humans I have a lot of respect for. Mm -hmm. The way that they observe you into health, Mm -hmm. kind of. They assess what's going on. They're constantly making assessments and... Yeah. And then I become a really insane surgeon at the end. hmm And, you know, kind of like clip, every, come to terms with the understanding of everything and start to cut it and shape it. And it becomes very designed at the end. But I try to stay as open as possible until I see something kind of arrive as opposed to me enforce something on it, you know, or not enforce something, but force something on it. Yeah. So yeah. there's just got to be this, this. And it's another thing I've brought into life to a certain degree is, you know, I, I, I am, you know, I have a lot of judgment and stuff. But I'm much more able through this practice to kind of just be like, okay, I hear that. And this, these two things are not aligning, but both of them are making some sense. Mm -hmm. So should I just go crazy and just choose one or just kind of live between them? Yeah. Somehow. And it's a different way of doing things, but I've learned a lot from this kind of secular religion of choreography. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I really love it.
1: Yeah, it's been exciting.
0: Yeah. Have you always worked in this way or is it something that has developed over time? It's
1: developed. Yeah. I I started by, you know, I used to, when I first started, I would go and make all of the movement (laughs) for the pieces and then teach it to the dancers because I was very uptight about wasting anyone's time when I was young. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. And so it was super restricted. But, you know, still, I was I was also coming to terms with the kind of material I wanted to use, which was very specific and needed a bunch of years of real kind of that kind of specificity and mm-hmm. restriction. But I then I just, as I say, I never set out to even be an experimental artist, if that's what I sometimes get called. I just experimented to make my work better. Mm-hmm. And inside of that, I started to learn, wow, there's a lot here. That I'm not hearing people talk about. Yeah, there's a whole terrain here that is really, really interesting to me, and it's very queer, you know. And to a degree, it's very—it's got a lot of the qualities of other. Yeah. In it, yet it comes dressed in some really banal. Like melodrama throughout dance history, mm-hmm. and in a lot of you know, in virtuosity and these kind of superiorities that I don't care for, so yeah, I had to work my way into my own aesthetic that way, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because your dancers on stage actually virtuosic is not the term that comes to mind when I see them, yeah. but they're very technically gifted. It's and they very
1: have, virtuosic in a way that yeah. you wouldn't call it because they're putting together so many disparate kinds of ways of moving
0: yeah but they have found a beautiful way to naturally yeah embody it
1: yeah definitely yeah absolutely I mean that's one of the things about people that dance with me that you've got to have some kind of chops yeah <laughs> but they're not visible they're people who have that but they're past you know, that being a concern for them you know so mm-hmm. but yeah it's been sometimes I watch them and we, you know things are just so difficult and over three days they start to come into focus because of their amazing dancing and it's like wow yeah it's very cool to watch that over and over again you know
0: yeah that's great
1: yeah it's pretty cool
0: i imagine too with the different techniques that your dancers are coming from it seems like you might be looking for a dancer who shares your philosophy somewhat and is really open to the unknown Mm -hmm. and i know that in our pragmatic lives, we can somewhat get caught up in sort of like a, a nervousness or anxiety mm-hmm. about, you know, what mm-hmm. is the product or what will this look mm-hmm. like? And mm-hmm. so I imagine you're also looking for sort of this mindset where people are okay not knowing, perhaps through the process.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably have to ask them, but, you know, a lot of times—no, I think it is the culture of the room is I say, you know, I'm looking for something with you. I don't. It's not like I have a secret that I'm parsing out and not mm-hmm. telling you.
2: Yeah,
1: You're engaged in looking for this, too. And also, I'll be like, you know, I'll make something that's kind of well-behaved according to some kind of criteria mm-hmm. that aren't really mine. Just so you can go home at night and feel okay. And then I get there the next day and be like, that's not really it. That was just like a kind of congratulatory mode I went through because I'm like, I could be, you know, good at that. Mm-hmm. But it's restricted and there's something else here and they Always are on board with that. They get Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Because we've really been engaged with talking about, like, what are we looking for here, you know? Yeah. And you can feel when things are, you know, derivative somehow or just too crafted according to a canon of some Mm -hmm. sort. Which isn't necessarily bad, but it kind of is a bridge. I mean, like a a stopping place and what is looking more like a journey, you know? Yeah. I throw out a lot of material.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: On the way there, you know, like we make a lot and get rid of it. And one of my dancers, <laughs> Hillary Clark, who's a great friend, and she danced with me years ago. She invented this thing called the um, the funeral where I'd say, like, you guys, I'm going to cut off this 20 minutes of movement. She'd be like, just a minute. And it started with one teardrop.
2: <laughs> ding! And then
1: yeah. you go up in the corner with fake shovels and go like,
2: <laughs>
1: And build a grave. Uh, it's very, very, very funny and used yeah. to this day by others. So yeah, yeah, no, everybody's on board. That's the you know the kind of people that are there, and even if there's somebody who's a little bit you know more intense about it than others, they're part of like a whole circle of yeah people, and it all becomes interesting because of that. And you know, no one's I I'm really good at not hiring horrible humans.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the history of a lot of great people that yeah. have graced my work with their presence, you know.
0: And not to sound silly, but you can see that on stage. Everyone has this yeah. really nice presence.
1: Yeah, yeah. People want to be there. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing is that I I, I really—these are all dancers who are artists in their own right. They're not—I think some dancers suffer from a psychology of being an object for someone else, which is, is difficult. But I'm trying to choose people who are just like, they're an artist— I'm an artist. We have different jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm asking them to really go deeply into a crazy interpretation of abstraction,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for which there is no guidebook. Mm-hmm. And so I can see who's into that and who's not into that. Yeah, yeah. And the people who are are, you know, going to come up with a result that isn't isn't, you know,
0: yeah,
1: problem a problem in mean, these so. words.
0: I really love the idea too of marking that which we're letting go (laughs) like giving it a ceremony of some
1: sort yeah 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 yeah. well it's funny because one of the ideas that I use in my mind all the time because I I think ephemera is just so overly romanticized in dance and I try to look at it more like a material I can use Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so this idea of like I call it erasure as a form of construction like everything that you kind of Mm -hmm. taken away even if you're viewing it in a dance and it goes away it goes into the bin of things you might remember as a viewer and bring forth as you watch the other things
0: definitely so
1: that is a really important area Mm
0: -hmm. and it's like a
1: warehouse of stuff yeah so even if something doesn't make it into the work it's going to resonate there somehow as a ghost or as a a direction that brought us to another place and i try to be mindful of uh, steering that somehow keeping it having a voice like, like I call them ghosts
0: in yeah there, you know, like, oh that's such a beautiful way of looking at that and in a way it becomes one of many lenses
1: exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's a definitely I mean it's so cliche to talk about your art as layered <laughs> <laughs> but it really is what I'm thinking about you know mm-hmm. you're looking at a dancer who has a culture and they have secrets about the work from each other and from me, and there's my desires. There's you know so much going on that's coming into collision, and mm-hmm. I don't want any of them to win out over anything else. Absolutely. I want them all to be included there. You
0: know? Yeah, and just even naming or noticing all of the layers is yeah. in itself yeah. such a grand task.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and to be. And so sometimes I'll say today, you know, I want to come in and work on just this rhythmic thing or just these things. And i I say to them, don't let me what I call Edward's scissor hand, which is like make a little crystalline perfect little thing, yeah. but like just stay in the exploration for that day and you build, you work on that layer then you've got it and then you could you can let it go and it'll become absorbed, but you have to separate them out and do some work on them before you put them back totally. in so we work a lot a lot of hours, and everybody's kind of yeah, just on board for it. it's great. it's, it's exciting when yeah. we get to do it you know
0: that is great so, yeah. So, we covered, actually, quite a few questions. You were ready for this. I looked it. (laughs) So, in your teaching career, Mm -hmm. what courses are you currently teaching at the University of Illinois? And how is this impacting your creative process, if at all?
1: Well, I've been teaching for a long time, always for next to my practice. And it's really a huge part of it, actually, because... Mm -hmm. For one reason, you know, the things I request of people who are making their work or suggest that they might work on, I kind of have to take those on as well, you know. So if I'm putting out some demanding, difficult way of looking at their work, I'm listening to it also, you know. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's the most important is, I don't know, I think young people don't say We used to say, getting your face cracked. Which means someone calling you on what you're doing, it's, you know, even even mm. not intentionally saying like, well, we're in a whole other mode here, dude, from what you're doing. So you might think you're experimenting on something, but we're doing something really different. And you really have to come to terms with that, mm. you know, and that's happening a lot right now. You know what people are doing, what they're working on, how they're working, a kind of DIY aesthetic versus a, a more traditional kind of like work, work, work kind of thing. Many, many, many things. And you're like, okay, again, they're there. They are. They're there. It's not something that you say like, no, that's wrong. It's something you say, how do I absorb this? Totally. And how do I take this? And so it's that's very challenging.
0: Yes, I can imagine. I yeah. like it,
1: and I'm I'm into it because there's so many. You know, I, I work largely with the grads at the school, mm-hmm. um, and mostly what we do is, you know, it's a lot of mentoring with them. We have this year I'm doing a class called Contemporary Trends. Where we're talking about work that's going on right now. I'm going to have a lot of people speak over Skype. And then they'll write about that. And we talk about it. It's, a, it's great. It's a basically talk about dance for a job. Yeah. But I also teach ballet there to the undergrads. Because mm-hmm. I taught ballet for many years. And I teach in a way that maybe might help them bring their own bodies into it. As opposed to it being eaten by ballet, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I teach composition sometimes for the undergrads. But mostly for the grads also. Oh,
0: great. Um,
1: so, But I've I've been, you know, doing – I've been working at, with movement research for a year, like over 20 years. Right. And I've had the MELT workshop every year. And it's a big part of it. I really like being in conversation with people who are also figuring that out and people who look at you with furrowed brows saying, like, what are you saying? And then I have to be like, what am I saying? You know, <laughs> sometimes. So Yeah.
0: But I can imagine it seems like you have such a great strength in that listening and seeing various layers and – Just even being able to observe but then communicate what you're observing, I'm sure has such a great benefit for many.
1: I hope so. I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot about seeing dances. Like I can see a structure in a dance and Mm -hmm. come out and say what it is kind of because I really just am looking for that in my own work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing, like – how is the structure that it goes from fast to slow to interruptive to sliding? What's that saying? Yeah. And are you able to see that? You know? Right. Are you and aware?
2: And could
1: you manage that? Could you direct that in any way? You know. Mm-hmm. So trying to help people just see, you know, because as I say, most of the structures that people come up with in works, unless they're following musical forms, which has been, you know, what dance does a lot. But people who are in other realms with it there's going to be very, very singular, the structures that they come up with, and there might not be a kind of schooling for that. So you right. have to come to terms with the, the, the governing principles behind it somehow. So Definitely. I'm trying to activate people's attention to that. You know, right. So they don't fall into default settings.
0: Absolutely. I am curious, since you are teaching a course on mm-hmm. trends, contemporary mm-hmm. trends, mm-hmm. what might be some that have risen to the top recently or what may have been more in conversation?
1: I think the things that are in conversation, the huge one is race.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's very important and there's things like Af- Afrofuturism and other kind of forms that I'm going to have people come and talk about, you know, cause I'm not well versed in those, but I think they're really, you know, they have a strong effect on what people are thinking about now Absolutely. and the attendant kind of authors with that subject matter who people are reading very exciting stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, gender, Mm-hmm. Gender is really, really, really big, and I think the the kind of expression of gender nonconformity has definitely got cousins inside of the openness of dance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm looking at a couple of kind of people who are working in queer contexts and really pushing that. Ryan Kelly and Brendan Gerard, who have really are doing some really new kind of work on that, oh, yeah. and then other people like Sarah Mitchelson, who is mm-hmm. just someone who has pushed so. Deeply into her imagination that she's coming out with, like, forms, <laughs> Jurassic forms of the future or something. You know, <laughs> She's really amazing. Sarah. Yeah. And I'm going to have her talk about what her journey's been like because it's so brilliant. So those are kind of things. And, and, and be, there'll be a bunch of people whose work might align with those areas. But I'm trying to get people to come and, I mean, just to Skype in and talk about them so I don't have to take on a fake knowledge about that.
0: Totally. You
1: know? Yeah. And so yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited about that course.
0: Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, and there's yeah. cool
1: people in the class too. I mean, the grad students. So.
0: Yeah, I want to take the it'll course. Be
1: good, it'll be a good. <laughs> it's a good. The discussions are great. They're really yeah. good. They're exciting.
0: Yeah, and those are definitely very relevant themes that a lot of artists are.
1: Yeah, it's very present. That's that's the thing. I you know, like I was saying before, like certain things are just knocking at the door and you've got to let them into the studio you know they've got to be there you know
2: absolutely whether
1: you're making a statement about them or something which I'm not but they're definitely engines for the work always you know so
0: absolutely and I think for me this is what I love about performance and contemporary performance today mm-hmm. is it has the ability and power to deal with all of these things simultaneously. Yeah, I think so too. In a way that other art forms are a bit more limited with.
1: Could be, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I
0: mean, I don't want to make such a strong statement. No, about I
1: well, I mean, just by the nature of what's available, you know, like
0: mm-hmm. if
1: you have, if you're writing something and you're doing, you're, you're proposing a thesis, you kind of have to prove it. Right. And right there is kind of like, Different from showing a kind of array Absolutely. of the parts of the discussion. And they're both they work together, those two kinds of ways of being on earth, I think. You
0: know? Yeah. And it, it incorporates so many elements that help with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting time. It's a scary but exciting time right now.
0: Yeah. So you've talked a bit about how you are influenced by so much of the dance canon before mm-hmm. you and currently which I really appreciate and I love that you don't limit yourself. Would you say or have you noticed that any newer generations of choreographers or dancers have sort of taken on your philosophy or have you noticed that you may have influenced some generations today?
1: I think that definitely through my teaching I've opened some people's eyes to different ways of working and they've talked to me about that and a lot of those people have become well-known and that's nice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that anyone has i mean there was a moment I think earlier on then there was some there was some kind of copying or something like that, but that always happens. I don't see that there's any weight in that, but I do think that yeah, I think people have been surprised to hear like oh you could look at it a different way and it could be your way and then once you find that way, you can put the pedal to the floor and go very far in it
2: mm-hmm. I yeah. think
1: that's the, the the thing that i hope that I've ignited in people is the Understanding that their imagination is a kind of currency
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that, you know, we're not trained in any way to hold on to that. And I'm like, go in the other direction, find it and then, you know, explode yeah. it. You know, it'll be like, it's very healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. very empowering.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah.
1: Especially in a form that, again, it's like, you know, you get into a room with nothing and then there's nothing and then there's nothing.
2: Yeah. You're know, like, what
1: should I do, mime of something? <laughs> And I'm, for me, I'm like, no. <laughs> so these, this, these deep questions of, like, what am I doing comes yeah. up. And it all comes from your imagination. you know. Absolutely. And you have to trust that that is a thing, you know. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Are there any topics in dance currently or quandaries that you're thinking through and have recently thought through even through your choreography? So pragmatic or <laughs> not pragmatic?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's age. Mm hmm. There's age and kind of like a feeling of like, well, it's someone else's time right now, maybe mm-hmm. younger people should be coming up and doing this thing and feel and feel. And then at the same time, feeling this thing like, should I change my work so it's more aligned with what's going on? That is not what I'm going to do. But questions like that come up.
0: Yeah, you are what's going on. Well, I don't know
1: about that, but I mean, I think that people, <laughs> there are older artists who do. they They swerve somewhere, and I feel like, why are you doing that? You know, even if mm. you even if you've been going down a road and going back to the idea of problematizing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I like thinking that I have my whole history dragging behind me on ropes with dirty bags and that everything I do. it's still there, and I'm running up a hill and yeah. it's difficult and it's 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 um, kind of uh, ample because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea for me, the idea that avant-garde means that you reject history as a kind of heroism is one of the banalities of the 20th century instead of thinking what you're just another thing that's going on. Yeah. You know, it doesn't this is finished and this is what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a kind of like a self-professed heroism that I think is really has been a huge waste of time. So if you don't believe in that what are your choices at this age you know right. so it's interesting and i think about formalism i think about you know all things going on i probably think about it like too much and usually when i start making a work it just generates what i do and i'm in the room i stop thinking about it okay but in the time off i, I mean, i'm get, it's just moving my mind around in a lot of ways you know to see what i do so
0: and um when you say formalism do you mean the way in which you are? Uh, Are you using formal movement or?
1: Well, I mean, I just guess, I guess it just means like even still arranging things on stage, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Oh, definitely. When you're Um, doing the actual editing.
1: Yeah, everything. What I'm doing, it's very, you know, it's very artisanal what I do. At the same time, I might have these ideas, but it's ultimately I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And I really am committed to artifice as a really strong kind of point of view. I'm not making realism. That's not what I'm doing. Right. People who think they are. Are also not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, anything on a stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, anything on a stage. Yeah, in general, I mean, that's that's clear. But,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, yeah, I think, what am I doing? What am I doing here? What am I doing? And it's really different now that I can't dance as much. I mean, I still do some dancing, and I was up until recently. But now it's a little harder for me because of, like, hip operations and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's very different because a lot of my thinking choreographically used to come through, like, a ruminative practice of dancing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: that I would go from one movement to the next. And I start to see, like, well, I keep going from something that's bound to something that's free or whatever the system mm-hmm. was. And the system, then, I could grow into thinking about larger ideas. And I always went from movement to idea. I never was in a mode of translation with dance. Just saying, like, I'm going to translate this idea into a dance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, 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 yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, and also with music, I never worked with a piece of music. I will, I make the dances in silence. Okay. And for this one, I created the score of this All dance right. myself.
0: At what point do you introduce the music? Late. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because I feel like I'm composing something by making the piece. And I've had the great, great gift of working with James Baker for almost my whole life, who's my uh, composer. And we went to college together. And he's like, you know, he's a, he's a. Percussionist for the New York City Ballet Orchestra. He's a conductor for like new music ensembles and also Baroque ensembles. He means he's a huge, vast musical genius. Yeah. And friend. And he's made all the work, all the music for all my works, and it's incredible. Oh, we have a great. way of working. At the end that gets really intense for like three weeks. <laughs> and I'm there for a lot of it. And we're just like, nah, it's 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 really an interesting, beautiful process. It's, that is one of the best things that's happened to me on earth, meeting this guy and the way we've worked. Oh, great. And this one this piece I just wanted to kind of do one myself because I wanted to see if I could lead the referential world because basically Music is mostly a reference maker in dance. Mm -hmm. I rarely use it as a kind of regular beat that people dance to or anything.
0: Which is interesting because you do work with rhythmic structures.
1: Absolutely. Which which also
0: makes sense why you make the piece in silence.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing about rhythmic structures is that they refer to dancing as one element of dance. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's movement or thought. But sometimes I want to bring that to the fore, that this is dancing that's included in dance. And sometimes I want to let that fall apart and just let there be, you know, atmosphere or, you know, an energetic kind of realm. Mm-hmm. So it's not... But but still, we have to go through this process of to what degree does the music enhance or become embattled with or, um, you know, kind of cause a referential division mm-hmm. between what you're seeing and not. So how does it help or hinder. And there's a whole pathway of that parallel lines between music and dance that we try to figure out.
0: Wow. Yeah, Yeah. I imagine that would be intense. (laughs) It's very
1: intense. It's beautiful. And he's just like, I mean, he can write in any style. (laughs) He's very brilliant. And then he he engages these people that he plays with, either at the New York City Ballet or something, to just play like a couple of days. They'll play the cello and they make this amazing stuff and they don't charge us full amount. Mm -hmm. So I thank them to their years of doing that. Wow. And I just have these amazing musicians playing in the work a lot of times. That's so. great. And at the same time, it feels like it's inside of a family. They're kind of into it. It's just, it's a really, I you know, yeah. I'm lucky and created this kind of family of collaborators um, that's been very fulfilling.
0: And, that's you know, great. Yeah. You know. And this is maybe a silly question. At what point do you introduce the idea behind costumes? <sighs> costumes. <laughs> I know it's always— Are
1: horrible. (laughs) I know it's— If I ever quit dance, it would be because of
0: costumes. (laughs) That's funny.
1: Because they introduce a singular idea.
0: They do, yeah. And it's funny because even when I think of your work, I found myself resistant to wanting to think about the costume. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's very hard, and especially now. Like if I see one more group of people in casual clothes in the museum, I'm gonna <laughs> go there and punch them all. <laughs> like, I, I mean, know. everything becomes
0: yeah
1: a cliche quickly. Totally, and you can't help it. You can't help it. You can do like you know normal clothes or naked or blah or this, you know, historical, but all of it is shit. Yeah. the best peep, the best person who has the best costumes is Sarah Mitchelson. I don't know ah, if you've seen her work.
0: Yeah.
1: But she really, there's something about how her mind continues on to the costumes that That's is
0: interesting. pretty perfect. Yeah. You
1: know, ours are pretty good, but most of the time I'm just like, I've got half a tear going most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So
2: these
1: these costumes have worked out nicely. Strauss, Burke, LaFrance designed them. Mm-hmm. And we had one version up at Bard that we've kind of made some changes with. So now I'm, I'm okay with where they are, but. Yeah. It's mostly just because they, they move. People think like, is she a nurse? Is he a this? You know, look. Like, <laughs> which I'm like, stop. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. definitely. That's the last thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's just
1: really hard to figure out a way for them to be as open as you want the work to be. You know. So.
0: Yeah. So we've covered quite a bit. Is there anything else, maybe about your work that I haven't we've... even
1: started? I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> I actually believe that.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I think we've covered plenty. I think.
0: Yeah. Or anything else about long run? I know we didn't go into some elements like duration, yeah, which well, seems like a big run, part.
1: It's a little bit longer than what I've made. I've always wanted to make longer works because I've, I'm a big fan of film and I see a lot of film of different kinds of either, you know, mainstream or not. Mm-hmm. And in the or not realm, there's a lot of very long films that I just find so amazing to just keep dropping off layers of resistance inside of when you're watching them and kind of falling into them if they work that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But so this dance is longer, but not that much longer. It's only, it's like 72 minutes as opposed oh, okay. to like an hour. Mm-hmm. But what I really was interested in is this idea of with the epi- going back to the episodic is like, what's I think the episodic in narrative is created for people to come to terms with the endlessness of life. Mm-hmm. So if it's able to be put into scenic thoughts, it's easier to deal with, like, okay it okay, I'd be like five more of those and then I'll be dead or something like that. There's something about, you know, wanting to create systems, collecting time that aren't really there. They're imposed over it mm-hmm. because it's just one river yeah, that's going forward, you know. And I'm just interested in what that's doing. So the idea that, you know, people might think the dance is coming to an end or not. Or what is that, like, the same way, you know, in your life, you might think, like, I think I'm over with that thing, but no, I'm not. Here it is again. Or the way that these things kind of recycle or fade away in your mind. So I'm trying to play a little bit with, yeah, with that, with how does the Mm. the way that a narrative or in a novel would accumulate and Mm -hmm. the kind of very kind of multi-tracked thinking that goes on there, following different things to an end. I want to use the same kind of density in the work. Nice. And just... Consider that thing, not not make any big point about it, but just really engage with that episodic idea somehow.
0: Yeah, sort of that natural flow of life. Yeah, natural
1: <laughs> flow of life, or, or even like both becoming a victim of it and a, and a kind of protester against it at yeah. the same time somehow,
0: Great. which
1: we are with most things, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know. Great. So. Well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, this- thank
1: you. It was good to talk.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the,
1: the questions you came up with. They're very helpful.
0: Oh, thank you. And I really love the talk, and I now Thanks. see your work with much more richness. Yeah, definitely. I really am looking forward to seeing the piece.
1: Yeah, cool. We'll look forward to seeing you there.